Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's a Thursday on the Bog and the Boys podcast network, and of course you know what that means. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man Tom Ryle, my co-host, and myself, Roy White. You can follow us in, on social media at rw 3 You can hit my man up, Tom, at Tom Ryle BTB. And of course, make sure you follow all the fine content at Blogging the Boys on Twitter. Of course, bloggingtheboys.com is the website powered by our good friends at SB Nation. And hey, another week is upon us. Cowboys OTAs about to get rolling again. Now, unfortunately, we don't have recaps for you here on the podcast because they're actually getting underway today. This is the portion of the media practice, uh, or at least a portion of the week practice that will be available to the media. So tons of news going to break as the day continues to go on today lots of observations to get into we don't have the luxury of reacting to those tom but what we do have is a couple of newsworthy items number one the fact that we have passed the june 1st date here on the nfl calendar means a couple of things number one players can be designated as you know there will no be no more designated june 1 cuts right if anybody gets cut at this point it'll be a post june 1 cut the second portion of that though that is important to the dallas cowboys is Signing free agents will no longer count against your potential compensation formula when it comes to compensatory picks. And in recent years, the Cowboys have been much more mindful of this date in regards to signing free agents than they have been in the past. Does that mean they might finally be willing to pursue a Richard Sherman type of player here in free agency? Time will tell. Uh, Tom shakes his head no, but (laughs) – Time will tell on that front. We'll have to see how these guys look in OTAs, right, before the Cowboys ultimately decide where they may go. But the other news we got this week, and I wanted to just touch on it because I know our guys on the Wednesday podcast, uh, Talking the Boys, Dalton Miller, Cole Patterson, they took a deep dive into Leighton Vanderesh and the rumor that the Cowboys had been shopping him this offseason. Now, real quickly, Tom, just from a reactionary standpoint, Good idea for the Cowboys to be shopping Leighton Vander Esch, a player well, who's essentially costing them less than $4 yeah. million dollars on the cap this I th- season? I think that's actually the opposite of what was going on. Teams were asking, are you interested in a trade? Um, and the Cowboys basically said no, um, which might seem surprising to some because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option, which is a good indicator that he's going to have a hard time proving that he's going to stay with the team. And if he has a good year, he probably prices himself out in the free agent market. The problem is that all you're going to get for him is what, like a fourth, fifth draft pick for 2022 or something like that. The Cowboys right now have five linebackers that I would say, if they're all healthy, they're on the team. That's Jalen Smith, Lake Van Der Esch, Keanu Neal, 
and the two draft picks, Michael Parsons and Jabril Cox. And five is about the minimum you can roll with. Um, if there's anybody else that gets into the conversation, like uh, Francis Bernard or uh, Luke Gifford, or maybe they've got a UDFA named Anthony Hines, they're probably going to be making the argument to carry a six special teams ace linebacker. And I just don't think there's a whole lot to, to, to worry about on that. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was just – it was a comment that was made. Uh, the part of it that kind of struck me as odd was that the Cowboys have plans for him in the future. And, no, I don't think they have plans because they've just about set it up so that he's probably gone – uh, either because they've decided to move on and find a, a hopefully better option or because he's going to be too expensive for them re- to retain as a free agent. That's just my opinion. Now, on the whole thing about are they going to sign anybody else, I think we're going to see a fairly quiet time. You know, they just picked up a, a, a wide receiver who was seemed to be nothing more than a camp body to fill a slot. Um but I don't think we'll see anything happen until we get into training camp and they start finding out that, oh, we've got this problem here we didn't anticipate, or, oh, we suddenly got a deeper room over here than we thought we had and start putting out feelers to see what somebody would offer for a player. Um, so I think from that aspect, the personnel uh, things are going to be fairly quiet. Uh, probably until we get into August. Uh, unfortunately, the most likely reason they might suddenly get active in the market is because of an injury, you know, knock on wood. Hope it doesn't happen. But it's uh, right now, I think they've got what they want to go into Oxnard with. And, we'll, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out. And like you said, we still got the OTAs to finish up, and then we'll have – the mini camp, which I assume will have coverage. So we'll get some hints, but these are all limited, uh, careful practices, so to speak. They're trying to avoid injury at all costs and they're just training. So, you know, we're coming up on the real action and, you know, the big dates are going to be the three cut down dates they have. They now cut down to 85 and then 80, and then they cut to the final 53s. Um, which basically is after each of the three regularly scheduled preseason games. So that's what we're waiting for to see how it develops. Well, I think the NFL got that right in doing that the way that they did, because there's going to be a lot of intrigue essentially after every preseason game, right? Even if we're not locked into the action on the field and we won't be past the first or second quarter for the most part. Uh, it does add a level of intrigue to know that there will be almost a, a built-in newsworthy discussion to be had every week following a preseason game. My thoughts on the LVE stuff, um, I can certainly understand why the Cowboys – I'm not necessarily in the same camp that agrees with you that says it was only other teams being interested, Right. I think the Cowboys probably were willing to entertain that conversation and maybe even reach out themselves and say, hey, if you're willing to give X, right, a second or third rounder, then maybe we would be willing to listen. But at the same time, I tend to agree with you that they're not exactly dealing – 
I think the perception is incorrect that the Cowboys are extremely deep at the linebacker position. No. They're just no, no, deep no. enough. They're just yeah. deep enough to sustain an injury, maybe yeah, two. They've, they've, but anything they've got beyond a, that is all essentially desperation mode. So I don't yeah. actually agree with the idea that they should be shopping these players, even if I might like should. to be rid of Layton or Jalen, right? Yeah. Because they're not exactly dealing from a position of strength in that yeah, regard. I, they, they definitely want to see them have bounce back years. Then, you know, they've, they've got, you know, they can roll with Jalen for another year. It's just by, by not picking up the fifth year option, I think they pretty much just set it up. So it's not going to work out for LBE. And I think what, what the most likely outcome is that he plays good enough that he gets a, an offer in free agency that Stephen Jones is not inclined to match. And that just to me seems to be the most likely path. All things can change in a heartbeat, but you know, my, that's what my cloudy little crystal ball says. Well, let's continue to evolve on that Leighton Van Der Esch topic okay. then. Right. Because of course, you know, People react very strongly to the idea that Leighton Vanderush may or may not be shopped. But again, you and I agree that's not necessarily dealing from a position of strength when it comes to the Cowboys roster and their current construction. If I was looking at the Cowboys current roster, though, and if you are, Tom, as a man who does this from uh, time to time, morning till night, for those that don't actually know about how Tom's work ethic uh, is in regards to his coverage oh. of the Dallas Cowboys, oh, it's I would actually in be interested to know if – you had the Cowboys shop a particular player or a particular position without it being widely known, but with the potential to get something in return for it. Is there a position on this team or is there a particular player that you might look to and, and say, this is where they could get a decent return and the loss yeah. of said player would not be so significant. And of course, I think we're looking on the offensive side of the ball to start with. And I think we're looking at no. a lot of the, pass catching positions but might we be looking in the backfield as well no i if you wanted me to pick someone right now that i think makes a lot of sense as someone they sh could be shopping shortly i'm looking at the defensive ends and specifically dorance armstrong i think he is becoming the odd man out just through a numbers game, uh, just, you know, just to run down the DEs, you know, you've got uh, DeMarc Lawrence is a lock. Uh, Randy's uh, a lock. Of course, Randy Gregory is. Probably Chauncey Golston. Um, now, they've got some weird designations of people that might be defensive tackles, but, you know, they uh, they also have Bradley and they who, who, and I, who was the draft pick last year, Urban, I think they huh? sticking around. Urban, who they signed in the offseason, definitely sticking yeah, well, around because of his run stopping ability. And then now you get into the fact that we're looking at a little bit different structure on the defense. So some of your pass rush is likely to be coming from uh, Keanu Neal and Jalen Smith as kind of a Leo uh, position. Uh, you know, because they'll be going with a lot of three-man fronts and uh, they'll have a, a designated pass rusher on one end 
and then this Leo linebacker on the other who can cover or come after the, the quarterback. So I think they may be looking at the fact that Dorrance Armstrong, uh, you know, with, with a, I think Terrell Basham is the real threat to him because I think that uh, Quinn really has an idea of what he wants to do with Basham because he's kind of that designated pass rusher guy. So he could be the backup for Randy Gregory. And uh, I would not be surprised to see if uh, Armstrong were to be, they'd be willing to part with him for, you know, pretty low compensation because, you know, there's not a reason that you're going to go out and demand high, but, you know, they might want to just say, well, we think we're going to cut him here at the end of end of camp. So let's go ahead and get whatever we can out of him now. Is there any world where you would look along the Cowboys offensive line and say, we've done it without one of these positions for an extended amount of time in the past, we have some players from a depth standpoint in Brandon Knight who have shown they can at least step in and fill some of those roles. They signed Ty Nishik, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Inseki um, from Buffalo, who also has some experience as a, you know, as a tackle. They've got Terrence Steele, who filled in admirably a season ago. Is there any world where they might consider, where you would consider shopping either Lyell or Tyron Smith? Because no, okay, not not the starters, but this is a position in particular where suddenly teams get desperate. And I did an article uh, a few days ago talking about the fact that they were working. Uh, Knight, Brandon Knight, at guard while Zach Martin was out, which was kind of interesting because that means like, well, there's an interesting bit of position flex because now you've got a guy who could be your swing tackle and be an emergency guard backup. Uh, we already know that uh, McGovern can, Connor McGovern can play all three interior offensive line positions. Mm-hmm. And they were working uh, Matt Farniak, the new uh, the rookie out of uh, Nebraska, was working primarily at center. But during his college career, he played all five. Let me get my whole hand up there. All five of his of the offensive line positions uh, at one point. I'm suddenly thinking maybe they're looking for these, you know, uh, Swiss Army knife guys that they can carry. So they carry three, but they've got double coverage at every single position um, on the line, at least for a game. And then, you know, they'll hopefully have someone on the practice squad. So if you throw in, like, let's say that uh, Ball, the, uh, the the rookie tack that they drafted, they decide to keep him. And then you've got, say, they keep Knight. Uh, they have Farniak as your main backup center with flexibility. They've got McGovern for the interior of the offensive line. Now, you just mentioned a name that's not included in that, Naseki, Naseki. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about him a little bit more, but there could be a situation where teams come and say, man, we need, we're looking for a, 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 an experienced, competent starting tackle, and they start making offers for Naseki that the Cowboys are like, fine, you pick up his contract, it's yours, they get out of it with just a guarantee. 
I could see that happening as a possibility, but it's going to be strictly a circumstantial or provisional thing. If things develop, then they'd be looking at it. And that means that they've got to be happy with what they're seeing from these other players. Yeah. That they think that if they don't have Inseki, they've got a better option in in Knight or Ball or, you know. And it also means they're going to have to be seeing Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins on the field in a somewhat practicing capacity, at least a more consistently practicing capacity than we've seen in past years. What is your level of expectation for those guys? Coming off of the injuries that they've had, um, you know, they've been getting light work and OTAs early on. All the verbiage that we're getting from Cowboys brass is that they're healthier than they've ever been, right? Back to full <laughs> strength in Tyron and, and Lyle's case. And that's certainly an idea, a thought that would make Cowboys fans excited. What is a realistic expectation for these guys? Because I- I'm still – of the mind that I might want to continue to bubble wrap them throughout training camp to do whatever I could to guarantee that they're going to be ready for week one of the NFL season. And if that means a little bit of rust to knock off to start the season, just to guarantee that they will be there week one, I'll, I'll sacrifice that. Are you in that same boat with me? I fully expect to see most of training camp for them to be sitting over on the sidelines in a giant foam pit, okay. you know, just yeah. so that nothing happens to them. I mean, yeah, what's the point? They know what they can do. They're going to want to uh, basically have them do drills, non-contact, walkthroughs, that kind of stuff. But anytime there's any chance of contact, I wouldn't have not have them on the field. You've got plenty of other players to evaluate. You know, you've got a couple of rookies to look at. You know, you, you've got Steele and Knight and, and Seki. And, yeah, we've, we've got other players that I would put out there, particularly for the preseason games. You know, it's, it's I'd, I'd treat them just like I did do Dak. Zeke, and that is, you know, maybe they see a series or two during preseason, and that's it. Uh, yeah, and that's the, just the reality of the NFL. They can't afford to go out and uh, beat up players. I read a, a book about, I can't remember the name of the player, but he played for the, uh, the, old, the original Los Angeles Rams back before they went to St. Louis and the return. This was back in, like, the 50s. Um, and maybe early sixties and they had, they went out and they played six preseason games and they, everybody played. It was a full out on the field competition for starters and everybody, because, you know, these guys were not making mega bucks and they had no protections. There was no CBA. Uh, It was just like they were disposable. They wad them up, throw them in the trash, and they just go beat these guys up. They had bunches of stars who didn't make it out of training camp, and it was like, too bad, no money for you, because they went through the entire training camp without seeing a penny. So, and they'll offer the right to play for a a $15,000 a year contract. Man. Yeah, it was an entirely different world. That's not the NFL today. Now you've got multi-million dollar investments 
you've got people that are so much more talented. You have more, you have bigger, stronger, faster people. And uh, you want to protect your investment now that, you know, you're shelling out those big bucks for them. So your starters, you're going to protect. And we're really not going to have an idea how the, the whole starting lineup works until they're on the field against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the kickoff game. One more idea I wanted to ask you about from the standpoint of looking to maybe capitalize on a player and his value in regards to a trade scenario for the Cowboys. They found one a season ago when this guy filled in for a player that got injured early in the season, and he wound up finishing, I want to say, amongst tops amongst the team in, in terms of targets. He was top five amongst his position around the league in targets. And I believe he wound up ninth in receptions and yardage or one of those two. And that is the name Dalton Schultz. Now, Blake Jarwin returns from injury. I think most of us understand that he probably has that starting role locked down, especially considering the fact that he just signed a four-year $22 million deal. On the other hand, though, Schultz, on the final year of his rookie contract, set to become a free agent in 2022 – if his role is just to be a, you know, a backup tight end, could he be more valuable on the trading block if you could get anything in return for him? Because, frankly, I don't expect him to be back next season when he becomes a free agent, barring something drastic there. So should the idea be to capitalize on what he could bring you from a future standpoint or – are they best to sit pat, use him not only as an insurance option behind Blake Jarwin, but also as a player that allows them to be a little bit more versatile because I don't see another tight end on the roster. Sorry, Jeremy Sprinkle. Uh, I don't see another tight end on the roster that makes this team very dynamic in you know a 12 personnel type of package. I don't know if the question is whether it's a 12 personnel. It's that you got to have somebody to spell Jarwin, I think, if you're just being rational. Um, and do you want to go with a Sprinkle or a Sean McKeon because that's the only options you have left? Um, I would not be surprised to see if the Cowboys only carry Jarwin and Schultz uh, on the roster and only go with two tight ends and simply not use 12 packages but have the people to rotate in and out, you know. If you want to go with a heavy blocking line, grab Brandon Knight and put him out there, have him report as eligible or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. There's a so, pair of them. Yeah. Brandon I and Ty and Terrence. Yeah. yeah I do not think you need to have three or four tight ends anymore uh, unless uh, Kellen Moore has some things uh, in his back of his mind that we just simply don't know about. And I, I, I would expect them to go light on tight end. And in that case, yeah, I want to keep Schultz and Jarwin, definitely. Uh, to me, that one is just not something I would I would consider. Now, me am not them. So, you know, who knows what actually happens, but that's kind of how I feel. You am not them, that's for sure. I am not. Uh, <laughs> wish we could be. It'd be fun to uh... – to have the freedom to be able to move and and shimmy and have the conversations behind the scenes that, that take place that did make me think um, 
I would love it if the Cowboys would release a behind-the-scenes video like the Carolina Panthers did this week. I don't know if you got to see this, but the Panthers have been releasing a series of videos of behind-the-scenes looks at their off-season plan, and one of those videos involved a negotiation between their team GM, the team president, and an agent rep of a player they ultimately signed in the offseason. Now, in the clip, right, they actually go back and forth in terms of contract negotiations. The Panthers offer two years for $4 million. Eric Burkhart, the player's agent, kind of scoffs at that and says, guys, you got to come a little harder than that. They ultimately settled for a two-year $6 million deal uh, with Dan Arnold, former Arizona Cardinals tight end, and Burkhart made a hell of a case in the clip. But I would love to see more of those behind-the-scenes videos of what the Cowboys are doing in the offseason. And I know that's just a quick aside there, but if you haven't seen that clip, go check it out. The Carolina Panthers really doing some cool things to, I think, you know, bring us behind the scenes because those types of things, right, that is the stuff that when Hard Knocks comes around, for example – that is the stuff we cling to. That is the stuff that yeah. that lights up the uh, the the caller ID, so to speak. There, um, yeah. I, I I I will say that I wish that the NFL would get over treating everything like it's top secret rocket science. I think the real reason they don't want us to know as much about what's going on is because they don't want us to realize how much they're fumbling around in the dark. Hmm. Just personal opinion. That's just me. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. But there's well, some teams that don't seem to do this very well at all. I could see the Cowboys, too, not necessarily wanting all the behind-the-scenes uh, cameras involved because we know what uh, Jerry and the boys like to do when they are in in their own room when no one's watching um yeah. and that can or on include... or on the party bus when they yeah. think no one's watching or on the yacht uh yeah and and we know that can entail a number of different things but i digress on that front you wrote an interesting article that i wanted to get into because mm-hmm. um as we look at the cowboys and how this roster is ultimately going to shape out you mentioned they'll have to cut down from 90 to 85 to 80 and then ultimately to 53 and as we do that it's very easy for fans to want to take a look at the free agents that we've signed and say well hey got this guy got x amount of dollars so he's obviously going to be here but we've seen in the past right nolan carroll uh, is is a name that comes to mind very you know very abruptly abram elam 
if you remember back in the day where Jason Witten basically called the coaches and told him to tell him to pack his bags out there on the practice field. You wrote an interesting article about the Cowboys free agents that they've signed this off season and who you think has the best opportunity to make the team as well as the players who you think will have a long shot. So take us through that. Um, if you would, yeah. we'll go player yeah. by player on that front and uh, I'll yeah. see if I agree. And we'll go strictly. We'll go strictly in alphabetical order too. Cause that's how I wrote it. That's how I'm going to scroll through it on my laptop over here. I like it. That's but, very, no playing favorites here. Yeah. But uh, what, one thing I, I want to mention right up, the Cowboys don't do the big-time free agent deal with big dollars, and that's because they really don't want to get locked into anyone so that they can walk away from a ha-ha Clinton Dix or a Don Terry Poe without, you know, feel like they've, they've really lost out on it. So Yeah, that's, but you they, know what? On that, do you th- on that aside, do you think that's a good strategy? I because it's a lot I more likely you're going to have to walk away from a guy you paid one to two million versus a guy you paid eight to nine million, and that's not yeah. just because of how much you paid him. The guy you paid eight to nine million, you had to pay eight to nine million because many other teams thought he was good enough, and because he's shown he's good enough to at least make some kind of impact for your football team, versus the one yeah. to two million guy that, quite frankly, if he's out there for that, then you're taking a stab at a guy who most other teams decided against pursuing. So oh, you're trying to get a bargain off of somebody coming off of an injury, which we saw the Cowboys do again this year. And, and I would like I would like them to occasionally consider maybe going in on one at a real position of need like safety might have been a place to do it this year. Um but you know I think they managed to make that kind of work out anyway. So um I don't know. It hasn't, it hasn't borne a lot of fruit, but it hasn't burned them lately. So, you know, we'll have to see. So anyway, let's go through the 10 names. Uh, first one is punter Brian Anger. Uh, and just to, to know, he's, he's, he's on a one-year contract for about 1.2 million. I think it's the vet minimum. And there's only $137,000 in guaranteed money. So the dead money is not an issue. A lot of people are thinking that he comes in with a real leg up on Hunter Niswander and the punter competition because, yes, we have a real-life competition at punter this year. And I think this is going to be a fairly honest one, and it's all going to come down to they're going to try to give him an equal number of punts in preseason, and the best man is going to wind up getting the job because they can walk away from anger with no problem at all and, you know, just have a little bit more money uh, in the, the cap to, be, to work with. They should need it for other purposes. So that one's one that you're just going to have to see who works out uh, when they get on the field. Now, the next one is, is one that a lot of people haven't talked about, much, and that's Terrell Basham. I mentioned him earlier. He's listed as an edge, um, which with the, the role he's got means that he might be a designated pass rusher type. Go Depending ahead. on the publication, by the way, the Cowboys list him as an edge. Our lads, who typically puts together, you know, depth charts for teams, and admittedly, you know, they're not inside the building by any means, but they have updated the Cowboys system on the defensive side to not only include designated pass rushers, they actually have Basham listed as a linebacker. Yeah, and I don't, 
I don't think that is accurate because I have noticed. I don't think so some, either. I don't think so sometimes, either. I've not seen that. In the last couple of years, I've noticed some of the people, some of the position designations they have sure don't match up with what we're seeing on the field every week. Usually if you get Lock three out. to four deep on the RLADS chart, it, it's, uh, it's a crapshoot after that. Like, let's stick this guy somewhere. <laughs> you know. Uh, now Basham is also he's a bit more of a contract. It's it's two years, five point five million, which isn't horribly steep uh, overall, and one and a quarter million guaranteed. So there's a little bit of a dead cap yet. Again, not big enough. The team is going to be limited by it, but I think that he is probably pretty in pretty good shape. I think it's much more likely that he makes the roster than he doesn't. Cause like I said, I think Dan Quinn's got an idea of what he wants to do with him. And he's basically, I think going to be competition as I mentioned for Dorrance Armstrong and Bradley and I, uh, as far as finding a spot, that was why I thought that Armstrong might be a guy that they might shop as it gets down towards cuts to try and pick up a sixth or seventh round pick rather than just let him go for nothing. So uh, that is, you know, that's one I think is going to be interesting. I think all he really has to need is uh, be healthy and not just blow it badly in camp. Uh, That's exactly how I put it. I'd like to, if I can, I'd like to give you a a 1 to 10 scale of how likely I think these players are to make the roster. I have Basham at an 8. I think he's very likely to make the roster. Yeah, that's how I got it with with anger, basically a 5. Yep. 50-50. go either way. Yeah. Now, the next guy is uh, the new guy they just signed. His name is Johnny Dixon. He's a wide receiver. He's got a lot of injuries. He hasn't played very much. And he just screams camp body. He's about a one or a two. I was going to yeah, say, I got him as a real, two. Yeah, he'd have to come in and just absolutely knock some socks off. And I don't know if he'd do enough. Now, this, the next one is DeMonte Casey. And I, you know, he's on a one-year deal. It's vet minimum, so it's a little over $1.1 million uh, with a quarter of a million guaranteed. So there's nothing there to keep the Cowboys from walking away if they feel there's a mistake. But he's a true free safety that the team has not had in, like, forever. Uh He's a, as I said, he's a Stephen Jones special because he got picked up at a bargain rate because of that terrible season ending, ending injury he had last year. Mm-hmm. So very few people were willing to take much of a risk. Um, and then he showed up, and of all the injured players, he was apparently the one guy that was a full go from the very start of OTAs, which had a lot of people going like, oh, this is nice. Um I think that they do have a plan for him uh, that he's like buying time for the team while they're trying to convert uh, Israel Makuamu from cornerback to safety. Cause I don't think he's going to be where near really ready to do that, but they think that after a year, he'll be ready to step up. So KZ is almost locked into kind of being that one year stop gap. Uh, if he has a good season, then he's probably going to be a bit of expensive free agent to resign. And, you know, I've expressed my opinion of how Stephen Jones approaches that. So I think this is, this is his year, but it is a very 
thought out, planned for year to have him. And on your scale, he's probably like an eight, eight point five. I think uh, he's got a really good shot of making the roster. I was going to say bit I might, better than Bashams. Might have him even slightly higher, right? Might be almost yeah, like, a nine or a nine. ten. One of the first guys that they went after in free agency. Mm-hmm. Clearly, from all indications, a little bit of a Dan Quinn pet as well. They have a history yep. together as well. He's going to understand True. some of the verbiage. He's going to be able to relay perhaps some of what Dan Quinn is wanting from the defense yeah. when Dan Quinn isn't necessarily able to get his hands on every individual on the defensive side of the ball. I think amongst the players you've mentioned so far, KZ is the biggest lock in terms of making this uh-huh. roster. So I have him at a nine. And that's yeah, and- because I'm, I'm a Russian judge right now. I don't want to give anybody a 10 because we never know what can happen. And, and here's, your, here's your thing. What else do they have for free safety right now? They've got this rookie who's being converted from cornerback and is kind of mm-hmm. going to be raw. Yep. I, I think that is the reason why probably year nine is about as accurate as you can get. Now, here's the next guy that's going to prove you wrong. Long snapper Jake McQuaid. He's a 10 because he's the long snapper. End of story. Ah, you got me. It. Damn it. There's, All right, no, well. there's no competition. They they may bring bring in somebody uh, to take snaps in camp, but I don't think so. I, I don't think you have to have a, a, a long snapper doing all that. The, the biggest problem they have is when they get these preseason games where it's, it's, it's four downs, three downs and a punt, three downs and a punt, three downs and a punt mm-hmm. when they get into the second half. And if you're going to do that, put, put Forniuk out there, you know, put somebody, uh, you know, let McGovern go practice long snapping or something. Um, I just don't, I don't think, I don't think there's any question, you know, as long as he is, you know, still able to do his job, he is going to be there. That's, that's it. There's no competition. Right, here's the next, the next one is good. That's linebacker Keanu Neal. And his is a fascinating contract to me because I have no idea how this is even legal. He was signed to a three-year contract, and the ne- the last two were instantly voided so that they stretched out his $3 million signing bonus over three years instead of it all hit now. But he's on a $4 million deal, so he's making as much per year as anybody they brought in. You mentioned KZ. Well, guess who else is a Dan Quinn old hand, as I like to call oh, yeah. it? I think I think uh, Quinn has very specific plans for what he's going to do with Neil in the linebacker role. Um, yeah, it's funny to hear you know, Keanu think- Neil tell reporters that uh, he felt he had always been a linebacker trapped in a safety's body, or he yeah, always I love- been a linebacker at heart. Yeah, I uh, uh, and I love that attitude. I mean, like, yeah, linebacking is partly an attitude, and I'm glad to see him uh, exhibiting that. Now, I I really think that he is on a par with KZ. I think he's probably at that nine level. I think they're looking for him to be a starter sooner rather than later. A starter um, at the linebacker position. Huh? A starter at the linebacker position. 
Yeah, and now that may depend a little bit on how you define starter. Like, yeah. is, are you counting him as a Leo, or are you counting him as a Sam, or are you counting him as a, a Will? I and don't. By know. the way, for those that aren't familiar, knew the pod, or you know, haven't heard that verbiage before, because you've used it a couple times, Tom. Explain to me and the audience what you're referring to when you talk about a Leo yes. linebacker in this Dan well, Quinn scheme. Based on my my deep research years of looking at this, but mostly on the little explanation on Twitter I read just today. Um, in the 4-3, you know, with your front seven players, what you'll see them line up is you'll have a nose tackle who's going to be a one tech. He may shade one way or the other. He may actually shade more towards the guard, but he's going to line up over the center or in one of the two gaps on either side of it. And the one tech referring to the spaces between the center and the guard on either side, right? That's the yeah. one gap, also known as the A gap. And that is where the one technique will be lining up, whether he's off of the center's right shoulder or off of the center's left shoulder. And he may play kind of straight up with a two gap responsibility where he covers both sides against the run. Bingo. Then, and here I, I don't want to get this bad. Then you have a true defensive tackle who's going to line up, I believe, over on the tight end side. And he's going to line up between the guard and the tackle. Again, he can shade. He can be almost head up on one or the other, or he can shade one way or the other, or just you know split the difference in that gap. Um, and he is what we think of as the three-tech probably now more than anything. Then you've got what they call the big end, who's actually lined up uh, more, more towards the opposite tackle, but he's lined up there in run defense. You know, he's there to help keep to set that edge, keep the play from getting outside, uh, and stop it if it comes inside. Then you have the pass rush, the designated pass rusher who comes in when you've got um, – when you're going with a pass defense. He's going to be probably over there against um, – on the, uh, the the tight end side of what we normally think of as your left defensive end lining up. Um, now, that is sometimes referred to as a Leo and in and, and the fact that he has some linebacker responsibilities as well. And then you've got uh, your your weak side linebacker is going to be out there uh, outside the big end, I believe. And I apologize if I made this up. This is how I was recording it, and I didn't think I was going to need to be able to pull that up. No, I, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot there, but yeah. I just want to okay. make sure our, our listeners yeah. is there. You know, and then, those, then those you've who got, haven't necessarily heard the verbiage before, you know, I think you're painting a very good picture of it, right? The one then you've got then you've got like your your Mike and your Sam. The Sam is going to line up over on that tight end side because that is the strong side, mm -hmm. and that's so he can help handle the extra blocker if they have a run coming. And uh, then your Mike is is going to be lined up, basically, kind of facing sort of that one gap over near the center, although he will move around a lot. But also as a free as a free moving individual almost. Yes, that, he is very much. I mean, he'll go out and initially line up, but there's no telling where he's going to be with the snap action. Yes. They can, mm -hmm. they, he, he, he is reading and reacting a lot pre-snap. 
So that's kind of how the uh, the four three works out. Um, and a lot of it is just okay. Do we want do we want the uh, the fourth guy up there lined up to be able to put his hand down or not? Mm-hmm. You know that would be the designated pass rusher. Sometimes they may be standing up. Sometimes maybe they may drop down into a three point stance. And uh, you know, and sometimes it may look indistinguishable from a four three because that's really the way it works. Okay. Bingo. Thank you for. Entertaining me on that digression. And any mistakes I just made, I apologize. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. We put that out. It might have been John Owning or John Williams, one of the two Johns that I follow on Twitter. So I know the both pair are, of Johns, are good. pair of good ones there. Yeah. Uh, now the next guy up is Ty Nseki. Um He's he's on a one year, one point seven five million dollars because he's an offensive tackle, and they demand a little bit more money in the bare minimum with a half a billion guarantee. So you'd think he's pretty well locked in. I think he was always an insurance policy because they didn't know for sure what was going to happen with Tyrone, Tyron and Lel. They didn't know for sure if they were going to get any help in the draft. And so they brought him in to make sure they were covered because they still have nightmares about what happened last year. I'm pretty sure. I know if I do, they probably do. So they brought him in. I think with with the additions they brought in, with how both Brandon Knight and Terrence still grew through the year, I'm not too sure they really need that badly. I think he may be the insurance policy that you just never cash in. And they just, uh, to me, and I could be, a little bit out to lunch, but I probably got him in like a four. Oh, really? I think I think the odds are better that he will wind up being let go before all is said and done, and possibly or shopped as you mentioned. Somebody right? may come and offer him a fifth or a sixth or something, and I don't know in that case if they pick up the guaranteed money, but I think they they would. I, I'm you're getting into two contract ramifications that are way above my pay grade so yeah i still think the team probably considers him to be their best option as a swing tackle right now but for the reasons that you mentioned i I, while i consider him to be slightly higher than 50 percent, right slightly higher than a five i actually have him as a six to make the team because i think when they signed him they felt like he was an eight or a nine at the time as you mentioned Mm -hmm. But as things have progressed, they might realize that they don't need him as badly as they thought they did. You know, that's why I bump him down to a six even still. But I still say right now, on paper, he's the best non-starting offensive lineman that they may have um, on paper. And so for that reason, I feel like, based on the signing, stronger than not that he's still going to be here. But – I don't have him as strongly as, say, you know, a Keanu or uh, KZ or even, you know, slightly a, a Basham. Now, the, the next guy you've already bashed a little bit, and that's tied in Jeremy Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Uh, another vet minimum deal with, uh, you know, the, the minimum signing bonus. Um, I didn't bash him. You said he wasn't as good as Dalton Schultz, right? Is that a diss now? Yeah, I'll take it. No, that was a I'm, easily, I mean, it's I'm easily offended, though. So. 
Yeah. Um, you know, he is really, I think, in a fight with Sean McKeon for a tight end three job. And I would give McKeon a leg up in that. And as I just discussed, I'm not sure there's going to be three tight ends on this roster. Yeah. Uh, if they are, and we don't have an injury coming, um, assuming that Blake Jarwin does get back on the field fully healthy, uh, he was still working off to the side last time we, we knew. Um, then I think that, uh, you know, they may have too many wide receivers to be pulling one off the field for two tight end sets. And if you're only going to be playing one tight end on 95% of your plays, why do you need to carry a third tight end on the roster? You know, because you can work around that, like I said, very easily. Yep. So, yeah, Sprinkle to me is like maybe a three or a four. I got him as a two. I think he's a camp yeah. body, and he might be cut before final roster cuts. I think that is possible. Next one is uh, Brent Urban. Uh, this is an interior defensive line. Uh, probably would fill that big end role I was talking about uh, to go in for rundowns. May only primarily be a first down uh, player who gets pulled as soon as it looks like they're going to go to the pass on the other side. Uh, like Nseki, he was signed to address a very specific problem. In this case, the fact that the uh, run defense last year absolutely blew dead bears. And so they're, you know, they're looking for some. Uh-oh. Tommy froze on me. Tommy froze on me. Tommy there. Help. You are mad frozen on me. It says I'm unstable, which is very just. Can you hear me yet? Uh, I can hear you, but the video is not matching with it. Talk to me. Okay, about am, am I all unsynced? Because I did. I mean, I don't know what happened. It did no, come you're up back my there. Is... You're back okay, there. So, so I apologize for the little technical difficulty, folks. As I was saying, I think Urban addresses a specific, specific position. Quentin Bohanna was brought in to be the true nose tackle. In the meantime, uh, Urban may give him a good. Uh, second choice on that until, or at least he may play with him, play him there until Bohanna gets up to speed. Or if not, he's just really good on run defense. And I think he's probably seven or eight to make the, uh, the team. I think they really plan to keep him around. I have him as an eight because of the skill set that he brings to the table. It's so specific, right? He would almost have to yeah. play himself out no one else is going to play him out of that position. He would have mm -hmm. to prove himself to be unworthy. And I don't think he's really in a battle with anybody for that position because no one else specializes in that particular skill set of stopping the run. So I, yeah. think, I, I think he is a pretty solid make for this team. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's a good set of free agents that you got there. And a, a one good more. A good little exercise. One more. One oh, more? we did only yeah, get Let's get the 10. It's uh, interior defensive line, Carlos Watkins. He he came in, he was on a 1.75 million, one-year deal, 400,000 guaranteed. 
Uh, remember, they just had all kinds of problems on the defensive line. Then they went out and drafted a couple of them. Um, I'm pretty sure, as you said, they're going to keep Urban. He looks to me like a parallel case to Inseki. Um Now, you think Inseki's got a good chance of sticking, but for me, uh, Watkins was the guy they brought in, and I just don't think they've really got a position they need him. Uh, um, I'm hoping uh, Neville Gallimore uh, will continue to improve and come up. And they also got Osa Odigazua, and that's the guy I think is going to push Watkins off. And I see him as like a three or a four now. Yeah. I would actually flip him in, in, in Seki, right? In Seki about a six, because I think mm-hmm. they signed him and thought he would fill the role and, and still maybe feel that way. Watkins, a, a little bit lesser of a talent. I don't think they would say he's their best interior uh, defensive lineman. I don't even think they'd say he's their best non-starting interior defensive lineman. So, yes, uh, I agree with you. A player they brought in thinking they might need some depth there, wanting to see how the NFL draft would go. Once they brought in Bohana, um, or Bohanna rather, I thought the writing was kind of on the wall for Watkins. It may already be done. So, yeah, give me on the opposite side of Nseki, give me about a four for Watkins to be able to make this yeah. roster. And, yeah, that makes for a fun little exercise, Tom. I'm, I hope I, – I appreciate you allowing me to interject that, that numbers game into sure. there because I like to get some specifics from you. And I'll really find cool. out what you're digging into. So – that's a little look at the Cowboys free agent monitor, right? The guys that they signed in the offseason. You can, of course, check out Tom's very detailed, very entertaining article at bloggingtheboys.com. You can check out all of his fine work, all of the staff's fine work, as we continue to keep you updated on the process all throughout the offseason, right? For, take it from a guy who used to be in talk radio in Dallas-Fort Worth. Blogging the Boys, right? Bloggingtheboys.com was – the trendsetter when it came to the topics that were being discussed on the radio. And it still is today. So if you want to get out in front of what they'll be discussing tomorrow on the radio, then get your content from our boys at bloggingtheboys.com. Follow my man, Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB. Of course, if you want to, you can follow me as well at RW3. I'm not as much on the newsy side, but I do like the entertainment aspect. And of course, love the Dallas Cowboys and we'll continue to keep you updated on that front. For Tom, I'm Roy. This is another episode of Riled Up on the Cowboys. We will see you next Thursday. OTAs will be in the books coming up later today. Make sure you check it out. And of course, we'll keep you updated at bloggingtheboys.com. See you later.